Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for your love for us and your holiness and that you are taking up residence in the midst of your people here this morning through your son, through the work of your spirit. And I just pray as we, as we dive into the scriptures this morning, as we hear the words of Paul, that we would hear your heart that we would hear your invitation for this body of believers that are pursuing you with all that we are. But we need you, we depend, we depend on you, God, to move in our hearts and renew our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna dive right in to the reading this morning. It's Colossians chapter one, in chapter two, Colossians chapter one, verse 24 through chapter two, verse five. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. It's the word of the Lord. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, my wife and I have been up in the orbit of, of this church for around nine years, her a little bit longer, but we started our married life about five years ago in Montreal. So we feel like we're sort of coming out of hiding because, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very bizarre because you kind of go to Montreal, Quebec to go and like hide there and learn a lot of crazy things with alongside the French Canadians and then you're like okay now we're going to move to the south and we're kind of coming out of hiding because we feel we think really highly 
one of the Lord. And what he's doing here, like what he's doing here, how he's inviting this church into this season. I mean, Ryan just mentioned that, you know, we're heading into a season where we're going to be moving into something new together. And there's a clear invitation for this body of believers in this season. And we think highly of that. So being in the orbit for about nine years and seeing the seasons that this church has navigated through and then coming to this particular season and for us kind of feeling like we're coming out of hiding and then into this thing, we're excited about that. And we're, we're anticipating a move of God in this church. Um, and so for me personally, actually, I'm going to share a little bit about my personal journey. I grew up in the skateboard and snowboard industry up in Montreal, Quebec, and the event PR industry. I was also an artist manager for a bunch of years. This was sort of before, like, my pre-glory days, where I didn't really know the Lord. Even though still today, I kind of, I kind of fiddle in the, in the industry, actually still work in the action sports industry. Uh, but the island of Montreal is a post-religious city. I mean, we have deep Catholic roots Jesuit missionaries back in the day came from France, established colonies, kind of worked alongside the First Nations, kind of didn't. And now we're, the, you know, society has kind of come a long way since the, you know, the mid-1900s to kind of, you know, faith became privatized. And, this, and society is very much post-religious and definitely post-Christian. Most people frown upon the faith in Montreal. It's something that, you know, you almost feel like you need to privatize because nobody believes in that stuff. So at the early age, at the early age of 13, I just renounced my faith. I was not, I was not interested in Jesus, the Bible, the church. For one, the church was non-existent. I didn't even know what the evangelical church was. I just kind of like, I was exposed to Plymouth Brethren but then there was nothing in between and there was the Catholic Church and it was all empty cathedrals of culture that were doing a lot of cool things, but I wasn't sure what, what was going on there. So I just kind of left the faith um, between the ages of 13 and 25. And during those years, I experienced a lot of hardship and I experienced a lot of death, actually. In my personal life, in my personal circle of friends, I had a few friends that passed away, and it just created a, a lot of strife in me or disappointment in me. It, it, like, you know, I was just living life sort of depressed, down, but it, I was able to kind of sustain this, this ability to, um, to just live, just live, even though death was all around me, and it was just kind of happening a lot, and it was very bizarre. Um, and then at the age of 21, I got full replacement knee surgery. It destroyed any hopes that I had for becoming somewhat, you know, semi-pro in snowboarding because I was getting good at it. And then just skateboarding, just now it just doesn't work because, you know, skateboarding is, is pretty intense on the knees. Um, and that also created disappointment in me. So I turned to other things and I ended up being, getting deep, deep into drugs. Um, I was addicted to cocaine for, for many years. Um, and it was, it was kind of crazy, but my appetite was just for that. I was like a stick, a walking stick. I didn't really eat, uh, but I only did that. And I partied, and I would go to work, but I would maintain sort of, I was alive. I was still alive. And I also alluded to being part of the PR and event coordinator industry, artist management, and I used to manage these parties 
these after-hour parties. And these parties would start at 3 in the morning and go to 11 in the morning. And we had a lot of these. And I would be in charge of this for three months, and then I would take three months off because it's not healthy to not sleep for three for three months, right? So like, then you go from three months to taking care of these after hour parties and then three months off. But there was a three month period in my mid twenties where I was managing an after hours venue called the Torn Curtain. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, hear it again through a biblical lens. The Torn Curtain, right? Like, it, not, it actually didn't dawn on me till after you know, I came to the Lord, I looked back and I said, that venue was called the Torn Curtain. Anyways, in a, in a, in a, <laughs> a twist of God's almost humor, you know, humor that I had this epiphany one night managing a party, an after hours party at the Torn Curtain and the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me, the words of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. I've been with you this whole time. And it just, it just broke me because like, I've been with you this whole time. I go back to my, my teens, you know, like I'm just, I'm a deep thinker. So when something like that happens, I think, man, I rejected you back then. And here I, here I am now in this moment and you're speaking to me in this way. So there was this, this moment that really just provoked my curiosity in a sense too, because I didn't really know the Lord at the time. I kind of was familiar with the fact that these were the words from the prophet Isaiah and God was calling me back in, reminding me that he was with me this whole time through the death, through the replacement knee surgery, through all the disappointment, through everything that I, all the dishonesty, that the way that I lived my life was super dishonest and just, I had destroyed my relationships with my family. And then God just invited me back into his word. And he's like, discover me. So I ended up just searching the scriptures, searching the gospels. And during that time, it actually got worse um, because my life was being ripped in two because I continued living my life while searching the scriptures. And then like, it was like my body was being ripped in two. So I actually almost died, like legitimately died, almost OD'd um, because I had relapsed and I had to call my brother and my dad to come over to kind of like save me to like shove water in my mouth and like feed me, force feed me because my body was just rejecting everything. I just couldn't, I was dying. And then my dad, my dad just talked to me and he just said, you know, I could send you off to, to recovery. I could send you off to recovery, which, you know, anybody in the right mind would be like, that's what you need right now. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what I need. Send me off. And he's like, or you could dive in to the Lord. You could dive, you could receive his forgiveness, dive into the Lord and see what he has for you. And so I embarked on this three-year journey of just rehabilitation, redemption, recovery, and sonship. And then I was baptized at the age of 27 and the rest is sort of history. But there was this tr amazing transformation of appetite that took place in my life. I remember that was one of my only prayers. That was one of my only prayers. It's like, God, change my appetite. Give me an appetite for who you are. And it was three ways that God changed my appetite in that season. And is no matter how much of a mess I was, is that I was always to hunger 
after how God's world was breaking into mine, because it was. And I was, I was just a mess during those three years. And, but something that he kept on speaking into me was like, pursue me, desire, eagerly seek what I'm doing. Can you perceive it? And I just kept on going no matter what. If I relapsed or I came back or whatever, like during those years before I got baptized, that's what the Lord was speaking. He's saying, I need you just to be faithful in pursuing what I have for you. And then I got baptized and then I discovered the purpose of the local church. The purpose, I came into a small little church in Montreal. Like you, you become a Christian and you come into the evangelical church in Montreal or the Protestant church or whatever you want to call it. I came into a Mennonite Brethren church. They were super tiny. And I came in and they just welcomed me and helped me heal. And it was incredible to discover the vocation of the church in action like that. And it wasn't exciting <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't all, you know, just lights, camera kind of action. It was tangible discipleship. I came into a church, a spiritual family, who was willing to welcome me and let me heal. So that helped me discover sort of how coming into spiritual family and giving ourselves over to what God is doing in the midst of a body of believers before the word and table, before bread and wine, there is deep spiritual formation happening. We just need to be willing to perceive it. And then also how the Lord is calling to me, me to be a good steward of my non-Christian vocational responsibilities. It's like I mentioned, I work in the, in the action sports business for Vans Off the Wall. And like it's a, it's a culture and a subculture. But I go in there because I love these people. This is where I came from. So he wants me to be a good steward of my non-Christian vocational responsibilities just for the common good. It's just to put food on the table and to advance good in the world and be a good ambassador for the kingdom. But what I'm trying to do here is sort of see, come and help us see one of the things Paul is actually doing in this passage of scripture. In this part of this letter, Paul is, is putting his heart out on the table. And I want to kind of summarize it in these, um, in these words. You put it up on the screen. To the holy and faithful. Slide. To the holy and faithful. <laughs> this is who I am. This is how I'm doing. And this is for your benefit. And I'm all in. And I think we all need to kind of wrestle with that question, especially if we're coming here every Sunday to kind of meet here and put our stake in the ground here and grow here spiritually as a church, as a body of believers, pursuing, doing everything, you know, to pursue unity of the spirit is this, is are you all in? Are we all into this? Are we all in for embodying the reality of Jesus together? This is who I am. I can, you know, I let, I kind of left out a lot of the in-between of my life. I just kind of wanted to share my personal story with you because I'm a stranger to you guys. I don't know, I don't know the majority of you guys, but to be the church is to come in and share everything that we are with each other and believe the Lord that can he could take that and write a story for us, for this community of, of believers. So this is what Paul is doing to the holy and faithful. This is who I am. This is how I'm doing. And this is for your benefit. 
So I wanted to kind of unpack some of the things that Paul writes in this passage, kind of go back to the passage. In our reading this morning, he articulates a number of I statements. This is the other slide, the I statement slide. There you go. And I want us to pay attention to these, these statements that he's making, how other-oriented they are. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. I'm struggling for you. I'm completing what is lacking. I became your servant. I toil and struggle. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you. I want your hearts. I'm saying. I am absent in body. I'm with you in spirit. And I rejoice. Am I hearing Paul in this moment? He's being real about why, like why, why he does what he does, why who he is who he is. The Apostle Paul is not only laying his heart on the table, but he's also giving us a blueprint for what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. Sharing a singular vision for the mystery of God now revealed in Jesus to us, his saints, and in turn inspiring the vocation of the church. This is our vocation. You could keep the words up on the screen just so that it, we can go back to... Re- Isn't it beautiful how other-oriented this is and how it speaks into our experience? This is unique to Paul's experiences as he's writing these letters to the church in Colossae, but... We could take this and say, this is what I'm experiencing, and am I I experiencing this on behalf of of another? You know, so we end up up reading this through that lens. So for, for what Paul is saying here, it's vital for the holy and faithful to make time and space for one another by mustering up the courage to share where we're coming from and share in what we're experiencing. And it's important for us to realize that it's not only about living for the benefit of the world, but also living our lives by bringing everything that we are into the church. The same, both, both and. So if we think about the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. On the other side of that, in the same way we, we see that Paul is suffering all this great affliction for the sake of the church's mission and for a demonstration of the gospel. And we come to the realization that we've been gathered here together before the bread and wine to hear that invitation in our lives and that work of the Spirit is that to be gathered into Jesus. If we're not bringing our whole selves into the church, our gospel is shallow. When I prayed about this this week, if we're not willing to bring our whole selves into the vocation of the church, into the whole purpose of the church being us gathered around word and table, searching the scriptures, pursuing what the Lord has for us relationally, missionally, discovering where we can where we have common ground, how we can support each other. There's so many levels to what it means to be the sum and substance of, of Jesus 
the body of Jesus. So our gospel is shallow if we can't bring our whole selves into the church or if we're not willing to. And that's really hard. It's super hard. Because a lot of us struggle with bitterness. A lot of us struggle with discontent, pride, ego, shame, vulnerability even. Some of us don't want to be vulnerable. We don't care about it. Some of us are ap- apathetic, you know? Some of us are indifferent. Some of us struggle with vanity, lust, strife, maybe some envy. It's normal. We pick, up a lot of, we pick up a lot of garbage in the world. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to bring honesty into the body of believers. We need to recover that. It's not, it's not a program. It's a family. So let's, let's remember that God is, is making things new by taking up residency in, our, residency in our midst. It's a beautiful thing that we get to come into this, with Jesus at the center of that. In verse 29, Paul says, for this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires in me. It's tough. When we bring honesty into the church, it's probably gonna be the most difficult thing, the most inconvenient thing, the least attractive thing. And here Paul reminds us that when we actually bring ourselves into the spiritual family, especially spiritual family under the lordship of Jesus, we must trust the work and power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it, we can't do it without him. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. It's not just a program, a, a, you know, a seven-step program. It's we need to, when we come into allegiance with Jesus, all of those dead things are just coming off of us and we need to to, to press in to the work and power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul makes it clear that through his I, states, I statements, he's enduring agonizing hardship for the sole purpose to see the church grow. You know, we all deal with our own difficulties. Do we ever once think that we endure through these things for the sake of bringing maturity into the church. Specifically, that we are called to lean on one another, to help each other grow, to engage the vehicle of discipleship that is the church. I know that's kind of heavy language garb, but like, or it sounds like it, but there is a great commission. There is a call to disciple. There is a call to make fellow learners, as the NLT kind of puts it. But Paul is enduring all this agonizing hardships to see the church grow, flourish, and the power of the gospel to be demonstrated. So I just want to highlight some of the ways that Paul suffered for us to gather here today. 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 23 through 28. Been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. 
Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been, danger, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul was appointed to this office by God himself. Saul on the road to Damascus, blinded by the light of Jesus, healed by a former adversary. Saul becomes Paul, thereafter fleeing into the wilderness for about 10 years to discern what the heck was going on and to map out his journey. This is where it is believed Paul mastered the artistry of how to be entrepreneurial with his hands and brush shoulders with commoners in the, in the, uh, in the marketplace. Ten years to only come back and be all in and becoming acquainted with suffering to make Christ fully known to you and to me. Do we live our lives like this? Paul's singular focus to suffer agonizing hardships for the church is incredible. And it's something that even Paul says, be imitators. It's Christ-like. We see that the way that Paul suffered in many ways kind of connects to the suffering that Jesus went through to endure the this, this, this scorn and the shame of the cross in order to bring us into his family. So I was thinking this past week about that question, what are you passionate about? And a lot of the times, this means what do you do in your free time, right? Like, where do you work? Well, what are you passionate about? You know, some of us have this, this amazing gift to be doing what we love, but the majority just kind of work, and then we do what we're passionate about on the side, right? Right? Okay. For Paul, it's a little bit different. Because passion and suffering are, are interconnected. They go together. But what's important when we read this scripture, and I encourage you to read it on your own time this week, is that Paul is passionate to see the church come into full maturity, not tent making. And I might you know, ruffle some feathers in this room. And I'm all about bivocational ministry and I, and I work full time. But never lose sight of what God is doing. Never lose sight of his invitation to, to see the church come into full maturity because Jesus is coming back for a radiant bride. And it's our vocation independence of the power and work of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the gospel in community, especially in seasons like this, especially in times that we're going to be walking into maybe finding a new home. 
but it's gonna be super priority. It's always been super priority, but it kind of got lost a little bit. To desire to see the church come into full maturity. So I want to enter into a time that it was a short, it was a short word, but I want to enter into a time of examination because we are headed towards the bread and the wine. We are the new covenant people. So I wanted to take a couple minutes here just to kind of go through a few questions. So there's going to be three questions on the screen. And the direction here is the table. So before we partake of the bread and the wine, which Jesus told us to take, to partake in on his behalf, I wanted us to enter into a time of examination. And I want us to ask these three questions, ourselves these three questions. I want us to even just, I'm gonna open up in prayer And these are the three questions that I really trust the Lord that he'll reveal to you some of the things that he has designed for you to bring into this place, this time, this people in the Lordship of Jesus. Like this is what it means to come into allegiance with Jesus is to bring all of ourselves into the church. And these are three questions that could potentially provoke the work that God is calling you to engage and participate in in this body of believers. So where am I experiencing deep difficulty or hardship in an area of life? What do I believe is worth suffering for and why? And what will it take to bring all of myself into this body to see it grow. Just wanna sit with those three questions. Father, thank you for your loving care. Let your spirit guide us. Spirit, where am I experiencing deep difficulty or hardship in my life? I believe is worth suffering for and why what will it take to bring all of myself into this church into this church to see it grow body grow.
I was praying the other day, I was navigating these questions and I got a picture of a seedling. And then I just kind of jotted down this thought, if ever City Beautiful Church was a seedling waiting for nutrients to grow, those nutrients would be your experiences brought into this environment. The seed was planted long ago, before many of us even set foot through those doors or the doors at Saks Club, or I know there was a couple other places. <laughs> There's a seedling that remains from all the seasons that this church has navigated through and God has brought you here to bring nutrients to this body Jesus says, welcome to the table. So we're gonna transition into a moment of communion. I'll pray and read through the passage. And then you could freely um, head to the three pillars. There's one at the back, one on the right, one on the left, my left, my right, the back. <laughs> I just I'm gonna remind us as we're taking these it's just action it's a call to be the body of believers it's a call to to be moved by the vision that God has for the church's vocation to come together to come under the lordship of Jesus and in, in allegiance with him Father, we're so grateful that you've set a, set a table for us in the presence of your Son and Spirit. And some of the difficulties and hardships that we're navigating in our lives and the garbage that we pick up during the week, we bring it in here. It's particularly special to, to bring it to your table, to bring it in the midst of your presence and people who proclaim your name as Lord. What is close to your heart? How have you knit me? How have you made me to desire after, to hunger after the things that you're telling your church to go after?
I pray that this moment would be a moment of renewal. Though I feel, Lord, like I'm a stranger in this place. I fully trust that you are doing something beautiful here. Because I know who you are. And how you have time and time again demonstrated your faithfulness to me. But ultimately, your faithfulness was fulfilled in your son on that cross. And that's the moment we're coming into right now, is to remember how far you went to bring us into this story together. Let us not take this lightly, God. That you are Lord. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat it until it's fulfilled in God's kingdom. I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. I tell you that from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. And after taking the bread, broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup after the meal and said this cup is the new covenant by my blood which is poured out for you there's this moment maybe five six years ago in this space and we're talking about healthy relationships. And there was a few things that, that struck me about that evening, about what, is, what the church is being called into in this season. Remember Ryan said, becoming broken like to love. And it's so amazing that God gave us this moment that we can see with our eyes. He gave us his body and he broke it. He broke it. To give us this visual of a broken body being mended, being healed, being brought together. Jesus opened himself up that we could come in. Other thing that was said was when we are willing to be seen by God we will see great things and so I invite you to get up as the worship team leads and go take from the elements remember 
remember that this is who we are when we partake in this together. We are proclaiming the day of the Lord. The day that he will come back for his radiant church, his radiant bride, the one that displays the manifold wisdom of God. Isn't that amazing? Go ahead. Set the three pillars. You can actually, there's a dipping option. <laughs> And then there's the wafer and the wine juice option all at once. And I encourage you to share it with the person next to you. I mean, to, to share what the Lord is placing on your heart. You know, be open. City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.